0: Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Well, welcome to church this morning. We're in a series of Advent called Here Comes Heaven. Advent is the time in the church calendar where traditionally, church tradition, is that we we look forward to Jesus' coming. This is a time, a it starts on the first Sunday after the 30th of November every year when for four Sundays we, l- we look to Christ's coming. We prepare our hearts. So it's a season marked by and characterized by preparation, by thoughtfulness, by anticipation. It's a season where we take stock, we reflect, we prepare ourselves for Christmas so that we don't get to Christmas at 100Ks an hour and go, oh, sheesh. Happy Christmas, everybody. Exchange gifts, have Christmas lunch, fall asleep, and do it all again next year. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So this season is a season where we look forward to, prepare for, think about His coming. And in church tradition, we light four candles in the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, one on each Sunday. We lit one last Sunday to signify hope. This morning we light the second candle to remind us of joy. And so may hope and joy be yours in the season leading up to Christmas. Let's pray together. God of hope who brought love into our world, we ask would you be the love that indwells us? God of hope who brought peace into our world, would you be the peace that dwells between us? God of hope who brought joy into this world, would you be the joy that dwells between us? God of hope, the rock on which we stand, would you be the center and the focus of our lives always? Amen. So a common feature, church, of medieval maps was that Jerusalem was placed at the center of the world map. There was an important reason for this. The reason was that it reflected the ancient belief that Israel and Jerusalem, and specifically the temple in Jerusalem, was the heart of everything. It was the holiest place of earth. It was literally the center of the world, right? Those map makers, they didn't believe that maps should just be about where things actually were. They believed that maps signified and conveyed to us how things should be. And so a map with Jerusalem at the center of the earth told us that the temple of God was literally at the center of the world. The temple was the focal point for everything because it was a sign that God had established a hold on our planet. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 20 is kind of the language that they believed in. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. The temple was the center of the world because it was the place where God had chosen for his presence to dwell locally. It was the place where heaven and earth met. Here's the thing. The ancients didn't believe that heaven and earth were two separate spheres. They believed that they intersected. They believed that they collided. They believed that they came together. And where they came together, they believed was the temple of God. The temple was quite literally where heaven met earth. You get the picture. The temple is where Israel would say, here comes heaven. You know, when heaven invades earth, when heaven and earth collide, sins get forgiven. Nobody's become somebody's. Outcasts enter a relationship with God. Human lives are given purpose and purpose and plans, Israel believed, Israel believed that God had decided that in this place, in the temple, the world would get a glimpse of what it would be like for heaven to invade earth, and they were waiting for the day, they were waiting for the day where one day the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven would occupy earth, but it would occupy earth beyond just the temple, it wouldn't be that the kingdom of God, the presence of God The things of God were found only in one geographic place. They were longing for, they were desperate for the day when the kingdom of heaven would come to earth and it would extend to every corner of the earth. That's what they were hoping for. That's what they were praying for. That's what they were looking forward to was when the kingdom of heaven would come to earth fully. So that's where Israel was at. And then Jesus came and he walked into their world. And the temple continued to be a feature of his life. The temple was still important in Jesus' life. How do we know that? Because Jesus was presented at the temple, dedicated at the temple, just like these young ones were this morning. And we know that he made his way back to the temple in his early teen years when his mom and dad forgot him (laughs) one time. They they didn't realize for three days that he wasn't with them. They came back, where's Jesus? He's like, I'm in. I'm in church, guys. Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? So if you've had a parenting fail, I doubt it's as bad as that. <laughs> the temple continued to be important. In fact, the temple was so important in Jesus' vocabulary that it got him killed. Because Matthew twelve six tells us that he said, I tell you that someone greater than the temple is here. John 2.19, he says, destroy the temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. Here's the thing, this idea was staggering to the people of the day. He was talking as if all of the history, all of the tradition, the whole idea of the temple for hundreds of years was actually all pointing to him in this moment in time. He was talking as though everything that the temple had pictured was now actually coming true now that he was around. He was saying I'm the real temple the Pharisees the religious rulers the religious people they went nuts I mean they went ballistic they couldn't handle this they couldn't accept what he was saying to them he was claiming that in his life in his teachings his body his actions heaven had finally invaded earth he was ushering in a new era where the kingdom of heaven now didn't belong Simply in a temple, it belonged in a man. And the implications of this were staggering for the world. Remember what happens when heaven invades earth. Sins get forgiven. Nobody's become somebody's. Outcasts get taken in. Simon's become Peter's. Human lives are given plans and purpose. And so he ushered in this new era. And what was starting to happen is that his followers were starting to realize, as they started to follow him, they started to realize heaven actually meets earth in this man. They were starting to get their minds around this, or trying to at least get their minds around how heaven and earth seemed to collide in this rabbi that they'd started to follow. They started to realize that when they were with him, heaven entered their world. When they were with him, blind people would get healed and lame people would begin to walk and deaf would start to hear and demon possessed would get freed they started to see every time he was around heaven suddenly invaded earth they were starting to realize he's the new temple he's the place where God's presence dwells they were starting to realize that Jesus's life wasn't some abstract subject to be debated by experts they were starting to realize that his life was an invitation. And his followers, church, they were starting to live differently. They were starting to live differently to the culture around them. They were starting to invite their family and friends to live differently too. They were like Thrive Bucksburg inviting their family and friends to carols and raising 30,000 Rand for the Cancer Association. Isn't that awesome? How cool is that and they, and they realized that when they followed him, heaven entered their world. And this happened to a guy called Philip. Philip was one of Jesus' followers. He was starting to live this kind of invitational life. He was starting to have Jesus rub off of him, and he started to invite his world into this way of living, this different way of living. One day he gets hold of his friend Nathaniel. Now, it's not Nathaniel, Okay. Edenvale responded well, so I gave him a Nathaniel impersonation. But <laughs> Nathaniel is a strange man. Have you ever been to one of his shows? I highly recommend it. But one day he was giving an interview on the radio. He said, you know that I'm such a strange person. When I was growing up, my mom and dad didn't like me very much. But now that I'm rich, they like me again. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so it's Nathaniel, okay, not Nathaniel, all right. So, so G- Philip gets hold of his friend Nathaniel. We pick up the story in John chapter 1, verses 45 to 41. We're going to work our way through this for just a few minutes. Philip went to look for Nathanael and he told him, he says, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Philip issues an invitation to Nathanael because he's been around Jesus. Here's the thing. Anytime you're around Jesus, you can't help but start to be invitational. Now ask you the question, are you living your life invitationally? Is your life an invitation for somebody to get to know Christ? Does your life reflect Him in such a way that it would be some invitation? Do you ever issue an invitation for him? Anyway, uh, Nathaniel replies, he goes, Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now you thought I was going to say Brackpen, but I'm not. (laughs) Nazareth was like the the modern day Blicky Like, Can anything come from Blicky Swintayn? You know, in Edenvale, they said, can anything good come from Boxberg? can anything good come from there why because he knew this tradition he knew that that nazareth wasn't the place you know here's the thing nathaniel was skeptical about jesus it's okay to be skeptical jesus as we'll see in a moment never minded his skepticism it's, can i say this to you it's okay to be skeptical It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to use the brain that God has given us. It's okay to use the intelligence that he's given us to question and wonder, who is this man, Jesus? It's not okay to be closed-minded. Sometimes we preach tolerance, but really what it is is closed-mindedness. Are you with me? So anyway, Philip responds to his friend. He goes, well, come and see for yourself. And as they approached, Jesus said, now Philip and Nathaniel are approaching. They're like, Jesus says, "Now here's a man, a genuine son of Israel." He says, "A man of complete integrity." Here's the thing, Jesus was not offended by Nathaniel's skepticism of him. Jesus is not offended by your doubts, your questions, your skepticism. Jesus can handle your. Jesus has broad shoulders. You know, growing up with a surname chicken, you learn not to be offended. How about you? Are you living offended? Because offense is always taken, it's never given. So if you're living offended, it's because you took offense. Nobody gave you offense, you decided to take it. That's why we say offense. I took offense. Offense is always taken, never given. Can I can I say this to you as politely, as pastorally, but as directly as I can? Get over yourself. There are real problems in the world. You know? There are actual real problems in the world beyond your offense. Stop throwing yourself a pity party. Spending so much emotional energy nursing your offense. You know, when I was in varsity, the guy who was drinking the slowest used to get told, stop nursing your drink. You know, because no, you hold on to it because you, you don't want to drink more because you know you can't. So you nurse it. Here's the thing. Sometimes we go through life, we just nurse it. We keep it, you know. If, as long as i got the offense, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm in my comfort zone, you know. And so we live offended our whole lives having taken offense, never been given. Go talk to the person, sort it out. Get it out in the open. And if you can't sort it out, at least it's out in the open. But here's the thing, wounds heal better in the open air. Wounds heal better when the plaster comes off. So just take the plaster off, let some open air into it, and it'll heal. It doesn't have to get more complicated than that. Are you with me? It's gone so quiet in this very Anglican church this morning. So Nathaniel goes, he speaks back, he says, How do you know about me, says to Jesus? That's unbelievable. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. As if to say, I know everything about you. You think God doesn't know about your offense? He does. Then Nathanael said, Rabbi, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. He's like, ah, he's hit his eureka moment here. He's like, if you saw me before Philip, like, whoa. Jesus asked him, do you believe this? Just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree You'll see greater things than this. Then he said, I'll tell you the truth. Watch this. You'll all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Okay, things just escalated quite quickly in this. One minute we're talking about fig trees. Now we're talking about ladders and angels in heaven and it's got weird all of a sudden. Jesus ramped it up straight away. But here's the thing. It wasn't weird for Nathaniel because he would have known exactly what jesus was talking about because he was a good jewish man he understood jewish he understood the scriptures here's the thing nathaniel's mind would have rewound 18 year 1800 years in that moment jesus referencing staircase heaven angels up and down heaven open in that moment i can tell you nathaniel's thinking jacob's dream you see 1800 years before that and pastor steve referenced it this morning 1,800 1,800 years before this exchange with Nathaniel happened, Jacob, the father of the nation of Israel, has a dream. Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and sent out, set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. That is not a great pillow. He hadn't been to Mattress King or... He had a dream in which he saw what? A stairway resting on the earth, but with its top reaching up to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Now, here's the thing, church. Those two scenes are identical in every respect. Heaven opens, ladder descends, it touches the earth. Angels going up and down, but there's one difference. One difference. In Jacob's dream, the angels are descending on the ladder. In Jesus' exchange with Nathaniel. The angels are descending on the Son of Man. That's cause the Son of Man is the ladder. He is the thing that connects heaven to earth. Are you with me? And so what he is doing is announcing to everybody and anybody who will listen, I'm the new temple. I, I'm the real ladder. I'm the thing that connects heaven to earth. Where heaven and colli- earth collide, it's me. I'm the one who brings heaven and earth together, it's me. I'm, I'm that, the glory of God, the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the kingdom of heaven finds itself in me. In me. He's the place where heaven and earth connect. In Jesus, heaven meets earth. In Jesus, humanity meets divinity. In Jesus, man meets God. Jesus' birth, church, it shouts to the world and it echoes throughout every generation. Here comes heaven. His mission was to connect man to God. And wherever anybody comes to the true temple and wherever anybody climbs this ladder, they find themselves connected to the one who created it all. Remember what happens when heaven meets earth. Sins get forgiven. Nobody's become somebody's. Outcasts get taken in. Simon's become Peter's. Human lives are given divine purpose. That's the thing. When people connect to this ladder, to this temple, everything changes in their lives. You might say to me, it's so awesome that he's the new temple. It's so brilliant that he's the ladder. But what relevance does it have for my life? Here's the thing. Here's the one, the one, I, I don't want you to remember Nathaniel. Okay. Just, I want you to remember this. You will remember Nathaniel. That's fine. Here's the one, the one thing that you must, you must know. Why did he come? Why is there a new temple? Why is there a ladder to heaven? Why is there open access to heaven because of Christ? Why do we think of Christmas? Why do we celebrate Advent? Why, why do we prepare our hearts and minds? We do it because of this. He became like us so that we might become like Him. That's the whole point. That's the whole reason. That's the very thing. He came, heaven was open. The temple doors are open. He came, He became like us. He became like us so we could become like Him. That's the whole point of it. Why is Christmas? He became like us. He became human so that the human could become like him. What does that mean? It means that the presence of God now no longer dwells in one local geographic location. The presence of God in the kingdom of heaven is no longer restricted to a temple or to a ladder. The implications are staggering. Staggering. The implications are that because He became like us, because He came, because He became like us and we can become like Him, that means that the kingdom of heaven can touch the world any time a Christ follower is present. It means that somebody changes the atmosphere when they walk into their workplace. It, it, it means that there's righteousness and integrity whenever somebody in our churches goes to SARS. It means that there's justice anytime one of us show up. It means that when one of our, us followers of Jesus become more like him, heaven meets earth. It means when someone volunteers to serve in Shine's Literacy Center next year to gr- teach grade twos how to, how to read. When, when somebody does that, when somebody walks out of the church today and signs himself up for that, guess what? Heaven meets earth. Heaven meets earth. And in those great twos lives, when, when you show up there in the week, guess what? Heaven invades earth. Sheesh. When somebody befriends a lonely person this Christmas, heaven meets earth. Or when somebody feeds a hungry person on the way to work, Gives them a sandwich that they've made, heaven meets earth. Or when we sit at the bedside of a stranger or a friend in hospital, heaven meets earth. Or when we confess that we've been holding a grudge and taken offense and we seek to reconcile and forgive, heaven meets earth. Or when we show up when a friend is grieving, heaven meets Or imagine in Johannesburg of all places, this crazy city in which we live, that someone takes the time to look someone in the eye and love them with a listening conversation. Heaven meets earth. Whenever somebody shows up with family and friends at Carol's, heaven meets earth. When somebody from our Serve the City team goes out into the city and cleans up and fixes up and restores and brings a little bit of heaven to meet earth. When somebody from our cherished ministry goes and spends time honoring and valuing and esteeming women who've been caught up in the sex trade, heaven meets earth for that woman when she sees that. When our team go to Mozambique and they're putting up churches and they're ministering to kids and they're in birthing clinics, Ministering to single women who are wondering, how am I going to raise this child? Heaven meets Earth?" When their teams in Takani erecting fences around churches and settlements there, and they're giving Saturdays and heaven meets Earth. When we treat and overlook nobody with dignity, heaven meets Earth. When we're at the shopping malls this Christmas season and we actually look at the car guard and say hi. Heaven meets earth. When a family sacrifices to give to vision offering at a sacrificial level, heaven meets earth. Why did he come? Why worry about a new temple and a real ladder? He came so that when he ascended again to heaven, he said, I'm going to leave you the Spirit. Jesus diffused himself into a vapor that could flood every heart and life. No longer needing to be in body form, but the Spirit of God can touch your heart and your heart. And it means millions and billions of people who say yes to Christ begin to let heaven meet earth. That's why he came. So that spirit-infused followers of Jesus change atmospheres and bring justice and righteousness and grace and mercy and generosity and kindness and thoughtfulness and compassion and love wherever they set their feet. That's why He came. It's mind-blowing. Heaven's open and the temple doors have been flung wide open. The stairway to heaven is extended. He became like us so we could become like him. Heaven came down so we could bring it to earth. That's how we're going to live this year. That's how we're going to do Christmas this year. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.